and welcome to Speak a Dogcast. My name is David Farb, Animal Behavior Specialist. I am broadcasting from WOUF Studios in beautiful Palm City, Florida. Thank you once again for tuning in and joining me here. Hey, if you haven't clicked subscribe or that follow button, go ahead and do that right now. I come out with new episodes every Wednesday morning for you, and you're going to want to check them out. That's right. Now, today on the show, we're going to have the first segment. It's going to be Humanizing Dogs. Oh yeah, you're going to hear all my thoughts on that. (laughs) Then we're going to have a segment uh, called Finding the Right Dog for Your Family. The different things we're going to think about and how to make that right fit. How to find that good dog that's going to be the perfect fit for your pack. Then comes the Breed of the Week and our listener Q&A. And of course, guys, if you have questions for that listener Q&A, go ahead and send me an email. Questions at speakadogcast.com. Now, I actually want to share with you guys some fantastic news, some very exciting news. Uh, This past weekend, my wife and I, we adopted a new puppy. Yeah, an 11 11 and a half week old little mix. And he's mostly black with some brown and a white spot on his chest. And um, kind of funny, we didn't really, you know, I didn't even fully noticed that white spot until after being with him a little bit. And Miss Penny Lane, my half lab, half great dame, we just lost the beginning of March. She had a nice big white patch on her chest too. So that's kind of fun. Uh, but he's labeled a hound lab mix. We don't really know for sure. We're going to see as he gets older. I think he's going to be a pretty big boy, but we'll, we'll see exactly how big he gets. And his name, anybody who's a TNG Star Trek fan out there. <laughs> yeah. Nerd alert time. Uh, his name is Riker. Yeah. Commander Riker, Lieutenant <laughs> or excuse me, Lieutenant Commander, whatever commander, however, wherever you are in the seasons there, that depends, right? Uh, William T. Riker. No, but we're just calling him Riker. And he's just the cutest little thing. You guys want to check out a picture, go go to my Instagram, speak a dog cast, or maybe you know, get it up there on Facebook too. Be sure you check out our social media, follow us. And I'm really excited because you guys are going to be a part of the training process. Yeah, I'm going to really try to document this and, and give you updates on my training, give you some video clips on the training, show you how we're doing things and how it's going to be progressing. So look, I'm excited. This little dude, he, he is just calm and even keeled and he's, he's just, he's a sweet little dude, a sweet little pup. And he has a ton of potential. He really does. And I'm just excited because he's going to be part of my pack. We've got to train him not just to be a good family dog, but a dog who can help rehabilitate uh, other dogs, who can help train other dogs. He's going to be working with a lot of my clients and a lot of people and, hey, maybe even helping them overcome some of their fear of big dogs sometimes. Uh, So it's just, it's an exciting time. You know, getting a puppy is such a fun thing. It's nice to have some uh, excitement. That's, you know, my wife and I literally, we haven't had a puppy in like 10 or 11 years. Uh, crazy. Our own puppy. Cause we adopted a lot of older dogs in the, in the past few, you know, years past. Um, so again, I'm just, I'm really excited to share that with you. Uh, Riker, our new puppy. And again, go check out my social media if you want to see some pictures of him. Yeah. But you know what? Let's get the, let's get the show on the road here. But before we do, got to give you that trivia question. And, uh, you know, today's question it is, What dog is considered the smartest breed of dog? Yes, what dog breed is considered the smartest breed? And I'll give you that answer somewhere in today's podcast, so be sure you stick around, sit, stay, and enjoy the show. Next on Speak a Dogcast, it's a segment on humanizing dogs. Now, This is my biggest pet peeve. It really is, guys. Humanizing animals in general, but especially humanizing dogs. Now, the main reason, really the reason, the reason that we should not humanize dogs is because it can get in the way of our training. Um, You know, humanizing animals lately has completely gotten out of control. It really has. It has spun out of control. There's just so much of it going on everywhere. And, you know, I... I'm going to, I'm going to give, I'm going to, we're, we're going to talk about the evidence, the culmination, <laughs> if you will, of all this humanizing of animals. And uh, we'll talk about that in a few minutes down in the segment here, but um, I really can't stand humanizing animals. And quite frankly, I don't understand it. I don't, it doesn't really make any sense to me. Look, I love dogs. I, if that isn't obvious by now, it's what I do for a living. I created a podcast about it. I love dogs. I think they're one of the most amazing creatures on this planet. And so if you're out there like me and you think that and you believe that, 
then why do we want to treat them like people? Why on earth wouldn't I want to treat them like what they are? If what they are is so awesome, which it is, why do we want to treat them like little people? That makes no sense to me. That's that's like contradictory to, 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 to what we're saying, right? We're kind of talking out of both sides of our mouth. They're going, dogs are amazing. Everything they are is awesome, but let's treat them like not what they are. <laughs> that doesn't make sense. Come on. So, you know, I think dogs are some of the coolest animals on the planet, like I said. And I think what makes them amazing is the fact that they are a dog. They act like a dog. They are dogs. And that's what makes them awesome. So let's treat them like what they are. Okay. Now the training side of it, like I said, you know, a lot of times I'll walk into people's homes for training and remember people have hired me to come in and train their dog, fix a behavioral problem, maybe tell them what they're doing wrong. Um, that's, that's just, that's the real, that's the reality of it. Okay. And I'll walk in there and then they go, okay, well, Fluffy feels this way and that way. And because of this, Fluffy feels this. And when it's this time, Fluffy feels this way. And that's why he does this and that and this and that. And they're literally telling me top to bottom how their dog feels, why their dog feels, and that's the reason it's doing this. And And I'm sorry, but the smart aleck in me wants to turn to them and go, okay, so you know why everything's happening and you know what your dog's feeling, so you don't need me here. <laughs> the real real smart aleck in me wants to turn and go, wow, I've, I've never been able to understand a dog's emotions to that degree, and I've been doing this a long time. Wow, you're amazing. I should hire you. <laughs> No, but guys, seriously, the, the reality is dogs can't understand the depth of emotions that we think they can. And I, I'm sorry if I'm bursting your bubble, but this shouldn't be news to you because it's a dog. It, it's a dog. If it wasn't a dog and it had that, if it had, well, rather, excuse me, if it had that level and depth of emotions that a lot of people out there think they do, then guess what, guys? They wouldn't be a dog. Now, am I saying that dogs don't have emotions? Absolutely not absolutely not. That's not at all what I'm saying. I absolutely, I definitely believe all animals on this planet have emotions, but here's the thing, guys. I'm a science guy, right? My, my job is, I, I'm an animal behavior specialist. My job is to be able to quantify and qualify behavior in the most, you know, uh, smallest piece of information possible to be able to break it down for my clients. That's kind of the way I, you know, generalized way I see it. And in order to do that, I have to be able to prove what I preach. I have to be able to prove what I see. How am I supposed to teach somebody something if I can't prove it to them and put it into action like that, right? With training. That's just the way this stuff works. It's just how it operates. So in my line of work, I got to see it to believe it. You have to show me tangible evidence of something being true. And here's, here's the problem, guys. If I ask, if I ask 10 different people, Hey, that see that dog over there? One to 10. How happy is that dog? Unless all 10 people give me the exact same number every time, guess what? We can't prove how happy that dog is because first of all, what our interpretation is of what my interpretation of happiness is might be different than yours. Yeah, we can get into this philosophical debate, which we're not going to today, but really this is, this is kind of like a philosophical thing when you think about it. Um, I can't prove my dog's emotions. I can't prove what a happy dog is. I can't. I can't. Because they can't tell me. Now, we come to a generalized understanding of what happiness is in the human world because we can talk, because we can have these conversations and ask questions and get a response and, and, and come to an uh, understanding of what happiness is, what sadness is, what middle ground is, you know, maybe somewhere in the middle, what mediocrity is. We come to that understanding through debate, through discussion. Well, guess what? We can't do that with our dogs. We can't. So therefore, I, I can't exactly prove with a, with a, you know, without a doubt, without a shadow of a doubt, I can't prove what my dog's emotions are. So by humanizing them, getting back to it, by humanizing them, I'm putting those emotions and those assumptions onto the dog. And you can't do that. It's not fair. It's not fair because you can't prove it. And that may not be the reality of it. And I got news for you. Do you know how many times I walk into a person's home and they tell me what Fluffy's feeling and I look at them and go, yeah, except your dog is not happy. That's anxiety and <laughs> that's controlling behavior. And it looks really cute that she's protecting you, but that's not protection. She thinks she owns you, right? There's the problem. You're looking at it in an emotional biased way and therefore your view is skewed. 
Okay. Look, perfect example. We, uh, psychologists, therapists, why do that? Why do, why do, why do psychologists and therapists, why do they have success with people in the human world? Two reasons, guys. Number one, they're educated. They have knowledge on the, on the subject, of course. And the second reason is because they are an unbiased third party who can look at the situation for what it is, not have an emotional attachment to either side and be able to, again, look at it objectively, look at it for what it is and be able to give them the answer on how to find the compromise to, 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 to find resolution. Even if it's in one person, right? We're not talking necessarily marriage counselor here. Um, but that's why psychologists work. They don't have an emotional bias, an emotional attachment to the situation, and they're able to be objective about it. It's no different. My job is the same way, right? When I walk into somebody's house to work with their dogs and work with them, I'm not there to judge them, but I am there to look at the situation for what it is, give them my professional, knowledgeable opinion, and with no emotional attachment either way, I can give them um, you know, the assessment of what's really happening and how we go about fixing it. I've seen other trainers out there who train with the emotions and, oh, and Fluffy feels happy and Fluffy feels this and Fluffy feels that. And I got news for you guys. I'm not trying to be judgmental, but they just don't get the same results because they're biased and they're not looking at the situation for what it is. Okay. When we study animals in the wild, do we name them or do we number them? If we name them, we are now putting our own emotional connotation. We're putting our emotional attachments onto them, right? But if we number them, we're unbiased. So, Think about that, okay? Think about that. That's that's a really interesting thing. And this is why we can't be humanizing our animals, okay? So it's become my biggest pet peeve because it's becoming so normalized. I mean, even just when I started training 11 years ago, whatever it was, you'd go to the pet store and there'd be like one little end cap with, with doggy tutus and stuff. Now it's a whole freaking aisle, guys, with the dog clothes and the, and let's dye our dog's fur and let's paint their toenails. And it's out of control. And, and here's the culmination of where it comes to. Here's what we're going to talk about next. Um, you know, I don't, I don't, I'll admit, I don't watch the Today Show. I don't. Uh, however, a few days ago, um, apparently they had someone on the show and I actually was aware of this, this, this woman before she went on the show. Originally I'd seen her on Instagram and, uh, you know, you guys, if you haven't seen this episode of the today show, you can Google it, you'll find it. And actually I, I pulled up the website because <laughs> I really wanted to read you guys the, uh, uh, the title of this article. You ready for it? Okay. So how do you teach a dog how to talk? This woman is figuring it out as millions tune in. So what does that headline say right there? What does it what does that tell you? How do you teach a dog to talk? As in, hey, we figured out how to teach a dog to talk. This woman is figuring it out. AKA, she is succeeding at teaching this dog to talk. Now, they don't outright say that, but isn't that what they're saying? Isn't that what they're implying? Um Guys, dogs can't talk. I'm sorry. They, they can't speak English. So I'll explain what, ha- what this woman did to earn this um, article title, to earn a spot on the Today Show, to go on national television and spew misinformation. She has these little buttons. For those of you that haven't seen this, she has these little buttons. And it's like, it's like one of those little push light buttons, right? Tap light. But instead of a light, you tap on it and it has a word programmed in it that comes out right? So she started with outside. Now on the top of the button, it has written in text what the word says and tap it and it says outside. And so she started tapping the button and taking the dog outside, tapping the button, taking the dog outside, tapping the button, taking the dog outside. Then she started teaching the dog to tap the button, take the dog outside. So every time it taps this button, we hear the button, the button is going to say outside, see the word outside. Now she thinks this is teaching the dog English, right? Because then we put down a bunch of other buttons on the floor with random words, and the dog gets to start pushing on them. And, oh, look at that. It's making sentences and speaking English. I kid you not. <laughs> like, uh, I don't know. This is a warning again. I'm, I'm, you know, this is going to be a little bit of a venting session in this next minute or two here. <laughs> and I apologize. Uh, but come on, guys, really? That's not teaching a dog English. Number one, again, dog can't learn English. Number two, give me a break. Let's, let's talk about Pavlov's dog. Now, funny enough, earlier tonight, I was actually talking with uh, a, a, a little bit of a younger couple um, that they really hadn't heard of Pavlov. One, one of them had heard of Pavlov, and I'll tell you how he had heard of it because I think it's hilarious and great. Um, and the other one had not heard of Pavlov. 
which oh, makes me sad. In a nutshell, guys, and please Google it. Go read about him. It's, it's fascinating. It's one of the first studies really done on this that figured it out. Um, but basically, Pavlov rang a bell and gave a dog a treat. Rang a bell, gave a dog a treat. Rang a bell, gave a dog a treat. And before you know it, with enough repetition, he would ring the bell. And without giving the dog a treat or even bringing the treats out, the dog would start salivating, right? Because he paired a stimulus. It's no different. That's no different than the dog tapping outside and going outside. Tapping outside, going outside. It's the same thing. Outside is the reward. Outside is the treat, if you will, in that scenario. It's the same thing, guys. It's the same thing. Now, okay, so my other client, uh, I loved it. I'm sorry I had to share this with you because I just thought it was awesome. He said, oh, I, I've heard of Pavlov. And he goes, but I'm, 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 he goes, I'm a little, you know, reluctant to admit it, but it's from The Office. <laughs> so if there's any Office fans out there, TV show, right? Uh, if you remember, Jim was sitting at his computer at his desk next to Dwight and Jim would hit a button on his computer to make that doo-doo noise happen, you know, a noise on the computer, and then he offered Dwight a mint. And then he would do it again. Doo-doo, Dwight, want a mint? And Dwight would be like, oh, take the mint, right? <laughs> sure enough, with a few repetitions, what was happening? He hit the noise, Jim would hit the noise, and Dwight immediately put out his hand for the mint without even thinking. And Jim looked at him and goes, what are you doing, Dwight? He goes, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> right? It became autopilot for him because he conditioned a stimulus. Ah, so are we teaching this dog English, guys? Ah, come on. No, no, we're not teaching him English. Like, let's let's get real, people. Bring, bring your head back down to earth. But this is my point. This is what humanizing and anthropomorphizing animals, this is what it gets us, guys. This is the culmination. This is literally on the Today Show. This is being put out to millions of people and how many of those millions of people are going to actually think that, whoa, she, she taught the dog to talk? Ugh. <laughs> so, I, look, I can't stress it enough. Please stop humanizing your dog. Stop doing it. Stop. Dogs are awesome enough as they are. They're amazing creatures. Um, obviously, one of my favorites. And so you got to treat them like what they are, guys. Treat them like a dog. Treat them like dogs and they're going to be happier and healthier. But these, these, these false notions that we have that my dog understands me. Well, look, maybe to some degree it reads your body language, your energy. Sure, I'll give you that to some degree. There's that, there's that aspect of it. But can your dog speak English? Can your dog truly understand every bit of your emotion? Until you can prove it to me, no, no, they can't. In English, that one alone, guys, I can tell you, no. They cannot speak and understand English. Look, we barely taught... Um, you know, greater apes to be able to do that, right? We've taught gorilla sign language, and that's communicating, but we're talking about an animal with just leaps and bounds of intelligence and processing capability way over a dog. We're not talking about the same ballpark here. Now, again, we have taught, there are breeds that have learned well over three or 500 words. We have taught dogs to understand, quote unquote, understand words. But again, they don't actually understand. In order to understand a word, don't you kind of have to know the definition of it? Right? And I can't say, hey, dog, what's the definition of whatever, <laughs> you know, whatever the word, and he spits back an answer. It's just not going to happen. It's not going to happen, guys. It's not going to happen because they can't speak English. Can we pair a word with a stimulus so that our dog understands and recognizes that word? And then does something that we've we've paired with? Absolutely. Just like a sit. I ask a dog to sit, they get a treat. I ask a dog to sit again. Before you know it, they understand the word to some level that, hey, when I hear this word, I sit down and I get fed. That's what we're conditioning. We're not conditioning them to speak English, okay? So please, please use your use your brains here, guys. Don't don't let these articles and the wow factor in the internet and edited videos. I would be fascinated. To see the unedited videos, guys, the hours of videos where this dog probably didn't make any, quote, coherent sentences. He's not making coherent sentences. He's stepping on these buttons in a random pattern, and I bet you it's getting sliced together because, guys, it's, it's, it's video. It's the internet. It's TV. It's, come on. Come on. Like, I... so <laughs> I'm sorry I'm venting to you. I appreciate you listening to it, but... We've we've got to we've got to be realistic about these things because, like I said, if you're not, it affects your training. It affects um, 
your outlook and view on your dog. And believe it or not, that can lead to anxiety issues for your animal. I know. I know, maybe a little surprise there, but it's true. The more you anthropomorphize your animal, the more you humanize your dog, your animals, I promise you, you're not going to get as good results as you should. And maybe your dog's not going to be as happy and healthy as they could be. So next time you go to humanize your dog, maybe think twice about it. By all means, cuddle and snuggle and all that good stuff with your pup. But let's try to take that anthropomorphizing down. Let's get rid of that stuff and let's treat dogs like the amazing creatures that they are. Let's treat them like dogs. Are you tired of your dog barking all the time? Or maybe you want them to stop jumping on people when they come over. Or does your dog take you for a walk instead of the other way around? We can help. At The Nature of Training, we are committed to improving the relationships and lives people have with their pets. No matter what behavioral issue you are experiencing, from an unruly puppy to more severe issues, we can help. Offering a wide variety of services such as in-home training, doggy and puppy boot camps, doggy day camps, boarding, and more. For more information, check out our website, www.thenatureoftraining.com or you can find us on Facebook or Instagram at David Boss. Located in Palm City, Florida, serving all of the Treasure Coast and North Palm Beach County. The Nature of Training, helping you achieve success with your pet. Next on Speak Dogcast, it's finding the right dog for your family. Now, there's a lot of things that have to go into consideration when getting a dog. Uh, you know, a lot of different thoughts, right? Whether we're going to go breeder or rescue. And we'll, and we'll talk about that. But yeah, again, there has to be a lot of thought behind getting a dog. At least I, I hope there is. <laughs> I hope you guys are taking it in, you know, a lot of things into consideration, but putting a lot of thought behind getting a dog because there's a lot that goes into it, right? And so you as a family, you need to decide whether you want a dog or not, honestly. Um, we can't have some members of the family on board, some not. It's, that's going to create some issues. It's going to create inconsistency in the training. And so your family needs to be on board. Now, you know, the very first episode of this podcast that I did, I talked about quite a chaotic family where maybe some members of that family didn't want a dog at all from the get-go, and yet they were the ones who called the shots on getting a dog, and yet they still ended up getting a dog. Um you know, and it, and it it just, it created all kinds of behavioral issues with the dog and tension within the family. And it just wasn't working out, wasn't going to work well. So you as a family, your family needs to come together, have a talk and discuss what getting a dog means, the responsibilities that go into it. And if you guys quite frankly are up for that, you know, and it's okay if you're not, not everybody should get a dog. <laughs> uh, some people really shouldn't. And I mean that in a nice way, but it's true. So really, that's the first place we have to start. Does your family on the, as a whole want a dog? Okay. The next thing we need to talk about is maybe some local restrictions, laws, HOAs. You know, you need to know and respect the fact that these are laws. You know, look, I, some parts of the country have certain breed restrictions, certain cities, certain states, whatever. And while we may not agree with those laws, they are the law. And you need to obey and abide by these things, okay? Again, I don't necessarily agree with them. And hey, if you truly are an advocate for these things, then go out there and make a difference. Let's let's change those laws then. Let's, let's open people's eyes to not stereotyping dogs and those sorts of things. But the reality is, if it is a law in your area, you need to be mindful, respectful, and knowledgeable of that law, okay? Same things with, with, with HOA restrictions, apartment, condo, maybe breed restrictions or size of dog, pounds. A lot of times they have like a, a weight limit for certain dogs. You have to kind of respect those guys if that's your living situation. And not only your current living situation, but what about five years from now? What about 10 years from now? Where are you going to be living? Is there, is there a potential problem with getting a dog that's not going to fit into some of these requirements? You know, dogs are a life commitment, lifelong commitment for their life, guys. Okay, don't, don't forget that. You're not getting a dog for a couple of years and then go, oh, I can't have it anymore. Um, I'll be honest, and I'm sorry if you don't like this, but 
Those of you who sit here and go, oh, I moved and they can't have the dog anymore, so I'm giving it back to the rescue. You shouldn't have gotten a dog to begin with. Sorry, that's the truth of it. Don't like to hear it. Eh, sorry, uh, you know, find a different podcast. Um, <laughs> uh, dogs are lifelong commitments, guys. And if you can't commit to their life, which isn't that long to begin with, and that's why we have to give them the best quality and the best life we possibly can. Okay, so finding the right dog for your family, well, take that into consideration first. Are you going to be able to provide a good home for this dog through even just through, you know, breed restrictions, renting and, and having restrictions through that for your dog? You know, my wife and I, when we first got a dog um, together, we were just out of college and we, we knew we were going to be renting a house for a few years. And that was something we had to think about. And we ended up getting a half lab, half Great Dane, Miss Penny Lane, who just passed away this past March here. Um, but we got her and she was half Great Dane. We had to think about what that was, the impact that's going to have on our living situation. And we knew, we knew that could be a problem, but we also knew we're not giving this dog away. She's our dog. You know, she's ours. And we've taken on that responsibility. So therefore, we have to take the responsibility to do even more research and finding a uh, house that's going to suit our needs and suit our dog's needs, okay? So please, please think about those local restrictions, laws, HOAs, condo restrictions, apartment, all these different things that go into consideration. And again, not just your current living situation, but where you're going to be five or potentially 10 years. Hey, for some dogs, 15 years down the road. Gotta provide that dog, uh, provide for that dog for its entire life, okay? So that kind of brings us to the next thing. We're going to talk about size and breed, but more about you, your family, what your needs are. Uh, if you have a lot of little kids in the house, then maybe rescuing a full-grown couple-year-old Mastiff might not be the best fit. May come with some issues, and we don't want anybody getting knocked over or hurt. So just that alone we have to take into consideration, the size of the dog. Then we have to take the breed into consideration, right? What are the breed's needs. <laughs> the breed's needs. What are they? Is this dog going to need a ton of exercise? And I don't like to exercise a lot. Something That's a question you should ask yourself. You know, if the dog is going to need a ton of stimulation, a ton of exercise, and that's just not something you can provide for them, then maybe that's not the breed for you. You know, what are your likes and dislikes? If you're not a runner, if you're not someone who likes to go out and be active, then maybe getting a very active breed is not the best idea. You know, last episode, um, we did the breed of the week was the Dalmatian, right? Dalmatians need a lot of activity, a lot of stimulation. And while it's a beautiful, gorgeous dog and their coats are amazing, you shouldn't get a dog just based on that. If you don't like being active, then that's not the dog for you. There's plenty of dog breeds out there that don't need as much stimulation. Don't need. So if you're a couch potato, hey man, get a couch potato dog. You know, uh, that's what I'm saying. Think about that. Now you know what's coming next, right? If you've listened to my podcast, you know what I'm going to say here. Walk your dog. <laughs> it doesn't matter the size. It doesn't matter the breed. It's still vital. It's still so important that you take your dog for a daily walk. Some dogs, we can get away with that 20 or 30 minute walk, depending on its needs, it breed, right? But, you know, normally I say, hey, at least minimum 30 minute walk for in general, as we start getting the more active breeds, that starts getting to an hour or hour plus, right? For certain breeds. So your likes, your dislikes, your dog should reflect who you are as a person to some degree. I really, you know, I really believe that. It should. You you shouldn't be getting a dog that needs a ton of activity if you're not an active person. It's as simple as that. And your dog should reflect that. Okay. So next we're going to talk about breeder or a rescue dog. Now, I am not, I'm not anti-breeder. I'm not anti-breeding. With that said, there are way too many dogs out there that need homes, guys. There are. There are. Okay, so there's unfortunately a lot of irresponsible breeding that's been happening, a lot of irresponsible breeding, inbreeding, those kinds of things. And if you as an owner don't do your due diligence, if you don't do your research and who you're getting a dog from, then you may be unfortunately be contributing to that problem, right? To the overbreeding, to irresponsible breeding. So I don't have a problem with breeders. Look, guys, if you, if you have a specific dog breed that works for you, that works for your family, I get it. And sometimes those breeds don't always end up in the shelters where you live um, or shelters in general, depending on what the dog is. So I get that. I'm partial to golden retrievers. I am. Now, my newest dog isn't a golden. Um, I still love all dogs, you know, but I'm not your average owner. <laughs> uh, there are going to be a much wider, there's going to be a much wider variety 
of breeds across the spectrum that are going to work for my lifestyle that may not work for yours. So if you're going to a responsible breeder, I'm all for it. I'm all for it if you have a breed that you like. There's nothing wrong with responsible, respectable breeders. Um, and again, you can find that out by doing your research, but you have to do your part too. Okay. So again, uh, breeders okay if you're doing it the right way. Now rescues. Rescuing a dog can be such a phenomenal thing, guys. It can be so great. I mean, you know, just rescued Mr. Riker this past weekend. And I mean, technically, when I rescued Mr. Lucky, who passed away a few years ago, he was an old man, lived to the ripe age of 16. Um, and Lucky was an original rescue from somebody else that we ended up needing to rescue from them for uh, you know, different reasons. Um, so rescue dogs can be really great. They really can. You can, there's so many dogs that need homes and you can be such a phenomenal part of that. But, but we need to still be realistic. Still put the head on your shoulders here, guys. You do hear it a lot. You hear, oh, rescue dogs come with baggage. You don't know their background. Bah, 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 bah. And while certainly that's true, <laughs> I've rescued a few, quite a few dogs now. And they were, they, they turned out to be really great pups, you know? And so, and I've seen so many wonderful situations. How could you know? I mean, we know so everybody knows people who rescue dogs and the dog is phenomenal. So don't let that deter you, but put the head on your shoulders that let's be realistic. You know, if we have a rescued greyhound who used to run on the racetrack and you've got a house full of four cats, not the best match. <laughs> I can tell you right now, that's really not going to end very well. So Think about that. Think about the fact that you need that dog um, to to match again, match your lifestyle. We've talked about that, but don't don't get a rescue dog who's got severe aggression is, issues when you have a four and a six year old child in the house. It's probably not going to be the best fit either. Okay? I know you, you want to go out there, you want to rescue a dog and help them, but make sure it's going to fit your lifestyle. Look, if you're single, you have no kids, you've had experience working with dogs before, awesome. Go find that dog that may be a little tougher, maybe uh, needs a little more work, okay? And I encourage that. You know, I love that people want to go out and work with dogs and, and save these dogs, and work, but do it in a smart way. Know your limitations, know your knowledge and where that limit is, and find a rescue dog that's going to be a good fit for you. You know, there's so many out there that you can find that good fit. So don't just walk in and see a cute dog and the first one and go, oh, that's the one. No, no, no. Take your time, guys. Take your time. Make sure you're looking around. Make sure you're finding a dog that works for you. Awesome thing. A lot of rescues are now letting you bring your own dog. So if you currently have a dog and you're looking for a second dog, you can bring your current dog in and in a safe way, they'll introduce them and let them meet each other. And that can go a long way toward making sure it's a smooth transition between your dogs and your dog, you know, your dog knows you, right? <laughs> It knows your pack and it can tell you very quickly if that dog is going to be a match or not, you know? So that's pretty neat. You bring your dog in and let them be a part of that process if it's done in a safe and healthy way, of course. And, and a lot of rescues are doing that. So that's really great. Um, you know, a few weeks, well, I guess quite a few weeks ago now, we had Carol Novello from Mutual Rescue come on the show. And again, Mutual Rescue. You can check them out, mutualrescue.org. Um what they do is they really highlight the importance of what rescue work does. It helps a dog, but also mutual rescue. It helps the person. It's a mutual relationship that each benefits out of. And there's amazing things that come out of rescue guys, rescuing a dog. You know, there really are amazing relationships and, and they highlight that over at mutual rescue. So you can always check that out and learn more. Um, but it really shows how amazing having a rescue dog can be. So breeder or rescue, really that comes down to your family, but please, I encourage you to go out and look at all these different, there's so many rescues out there. There's rescues that are breed specific, that are uh, maybe type of dog specific, maybe a small breed rescue. There's so, 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 so many out there that you're bound to find a dog that's going to fit your needs and your lifestyle, okay? Um, now the next thing, do we want a puppy? Do we want an adult dog? Finding the right dog for your family, that's an important, that is, that's a very important detail, guys. I've had a lot of people lately who get puppies and probably shouldn't have. You know, we think, hey, we're coronavirus, we're all home, uh, this would be a great time to get a small puppy, and they forget how much work they are. 
<laughs> you're home all the time. So that just does, it's like a kid, right? It doesn't just stop. <laughs> it doesn't, it doesn't take a break. It's a puppy. They go, 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 go. And housebreaking and chewing and the biting and the feisting and the jumping and the getting them to meet people and not get overexcited and teaching them to walk on a leash. And oh my gosh, my clients have gone, I forgot how much work a puppy is. And it's like, yeah. Um, <laughs> look, I actually, until Mr. Riker came into our family here, my wife and I have not actually had our own puppy since 2010, 2011. <laughs> it was when Mr. Colby Jack was a puppy. That was a long time ago. And partially because, you know, we ended up getting some adult dogs that we adopted and came into our life and we loved them to death. We really did. Um, but you know, puppies are a lot of work. And even myself as someone who does this for a living, I recognize that so much to the, to a point that that's how long we took to go. Okay. We're ready for another puppy. <laughs> There's so much work guys. There's so much work. And Hey, if you're ready for that, by all means, get a puppy. You know, it's an amazing thing. It really is. But I hear it a lot where people go, well, I want, I want to get the dog as young as possible. Cause I want to mold them into my dog. I want them to to, to train them from a young age. And I totally get that. I really do. But you'd be surprised. There's a lot of even one to two year old, one to four year old dogs out there that you'd be surprised with a little work, um, that they'll be phenomenal dogs. They'll be just the same as getting a small puppy, you know, really, really. So a puppy's not necessarily the answer. Okay. Take your time and go out there and, and find dogs that are a couple years old. And, and I think you'd be very pleasantly surprised you're going to find a good fit. You really will. So think about the amount of time, the amount of work, the amount of dedication, the amount of money that goes into a puppy. And a fully housebroken one and a half year old dog, guys, is pretty darn appealing when you think about it. <laughs> when they, they've already learned to walk on a leash because the rescues worked with, they've had time to work with them. Think about that, okay? Like, I can't stress it enough. Get an adult dog. There are so many adult dogs, senior dogs that need good homes that will make such great companions, a great lap dog that's not going to need a ton of exercise, that's already housebroken, that already knows its manners. Think about that, guys. There's so many senior dogs out there that need good homes. So just take that into consideration as well. So then it comes down to actually selecting your dog, right? Okay, so let's say you've taken all this into consideration, right? You've, you've done all your research, you know your local laws, HOA restrictions, all that good stuff. You know the size and breed of dog that's going to best fit your family's needs. You're going to be able to exercise and stimulate that dog and, and fulfill that dog's needs as well as your family's needs. Remember, that dog should really be a reflection of your likes and your dislikes, okay? Then we're going to make sure we've taken into consideration whether we want to do a, a go through a responsible breeder or we want to rescue a dog, right? And are we going to get a puppy through the rescue or are we going to get an adult dog? Because there's definitely pros and cons, mostly pros with the adult dogs, guys. Can't think of too many cons with the exception of maybe some behavioral issues. You're going to take that into consideration as well. Are you ready to deal with a dog that has issues or not? Okay. Maybe if you have small kids, uh, you know, a Husky might not be the best idea or, or, or small animals, a Husky or a Greyhound may not be the best fit. So you're going to take all those things into, uh, into consideration. So now we're ready to select the dog. How do we actually do it? You know, again, my, my wife and I, we had been thinking about getting a puppy for quite a while. It's been over a year. I think that we've really been talking about it. And then it was a few months back, I think it was like January, February, maybe we started kind of looking at pet finder, seeing what's out there, thinking about the breed we wanted. Now, of course, look, I, we, my lifestyle and everything I could, I, like I said, I can have a wide, uh, there's definitely a more wide variety of breeds that we could take. So it maybe took a little more time for us to really think about what we wanted, but I really implore you to, to take your time, take a couple months, just like we did. Um, take a couple months to really think about all these different things that you have to take into consideration when getting a dog. And that's really part of what it takes to find the right dog for your family. Now, I think I mentioned it before. At the same time, while I want you to be logical and use your brain, I think you still have to use your heart and your gut a little bit. You got to listen to your gut on if a dog is a right fit, especially when you're going to a rescue, especially when the dog may be a little bit older. Listen to your gut and what it's telling you. I don't want you to only listen to your gut. Like I said, logic and reason need to play their role here, please. Um, <laughs> but it's a feeling. 
it's a feeling. And you know, here's the thing. We, when we adopted Riker this past weekend, it sort of kind of came out of, you know, every couple of weeks, maybe I've been pulling up Pet Finder and, and looking at what's out there, like I said. And it's been getting more serious lately. Like I said, January, February, I think we started filling out applications for the rescues. And, you know, pets are in such high demand right now that you have to fill out an application. Sometimes it'll take a month or two for the rescues to be able to get back to you just because of the amount of intake they're having, not only with dogs, but with requests for the dogs. So, you know, we, we knew we needed to be patient, take our time, look around. Um, anyway, looking, looking at Pet Finder last week, Riker's picture came up. And I'll be honest, guys, it was a gut feeling. Now, he's an 11-week-old puppy. Obviously, there's very little chance he has any kind of severe behavioral issues at this point. But I looked at this dog and it was a gut feeling. I said, that's what I'm, that, that's the dog we've been looking for right there. Okay. So reached out to the rescue. Um, you know, they found out what I did for a living. They did their due diligence, of course. Right. Yeah, that's right. They did their due diligence too. And that they're looking who they're adopting to. And they contacted my veterinarian, which I love to check up and make sure we are responsible. It's awesome. I think it's phenomenal. And you know, then we were able to set up a meet and greet within a couple days and we did. And we set up this meet and greet with, with Mr. Well, his name was actually uh, Peter Pan at the time at the rescue. And I tell you guys within, within just a minute, I knew I could tell like it now again, I can read body language and, 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 uh, and a dog's behavior obviously better than the average person. Like I'd hope I could, I'm a professional. Um, <laughs> there'd be a problem if I couldn't. And I just knew, I knew I could feel it. And now here's the other thing. We got to bring our dog Violet and Violet that we brought her. We just brought one, you know, keep it, we don't overwhelm the puppy. And we brought Violet and Violet told me right away too. I could see it, you know, it was just, it was there. And this dog is calm as a cucumber and just everything I really wanted to look for in a new pup that's going to be added to this pack. That's going to be a part of the rehabilitation process for other dogs, uh, for people, part of the training process, you know? So it was a gut feeling and I knew it. I really did. And I, I have to say, I want to thank you, uh, say a thank you to a second chance puppies and kittens rescue. And they are based out of Royal Palm beach. Now guys, they are a foster based rescue. They only have fosters. They don't have a facility and they, I mean, amazing. Even just taking a look at their Facebook page, you can see how many puppies and kittens they're always adopting out. And they're really, it just looks like they're really doing good work. Um, you know, I'm not, there's so many rescues in the area. Uh, they were a little bit of a drive, about a 40 minute drive for us. But again, that gut feeling told me that's the dog for me. So again, thank you. Uh, a second chance puppies and kittens rescue. You guys are awesome. <laughs> and we love our new little guy. And again, his, his name was Peter Pan. Now he's Commander Riker. Um, so yes, Riker, Riker, uh, good stuff. And again, I just want to say thank you. So while we put a lot of logic and thought behind getting this puppy, there was this gut feeling mixed with that logic that led us to find the right dog for us. So I, I encourage you guys to do your research first, know the breed, you know, we, we can go over everything again here, right? We know what we need to do. We want to know our local restrictions and laws, know the size, know the breed that's going to work for your family, know your dog's needs, know what that dog is going to need out of life so you can provide for it in the best way possible by matching your lifestyle, your family's likes and dislikes. Breeder or rescue, if you're going to go the breeder route, make sure you're doing your research, finding a good responsible breeder, okay? If you're going to go the rescue route, awesome, even better. There are so many dogs out there that need homes, guys. Different temperaments, different sizes, different ages. I promise you, I promise you there is a rescue dog out there for everybody. So just do your research, take your time, and make sure you find a good fit for your family. Are you ready to take on some behavioral issues? If you are, awesome, awesome, awesome. If not, not a big deal. You can find a dog that fits your needs, like I said, okay? Then at the end of the day, when it really comes down to selecting that dog, yeah, it's gonna be a bit of a gut feeling and a feeling in your heart, but don't let those overpower logic and reason. Take all those other things I just mentioned into consideration first, guys. Then let your gut talk to you and tell you if it's the right fit. And of course, let your other puppies, if you got other dogs, let them tell you as well. Um, if you take all these things into consideration and then make your gut decision, I promise you, you will have a much better time and it'll be a much better fit finding the right dog for your family.
Next on Speak Dogcast, it's our Breed of the Week. This week's Breed of the Week is the Cocker Spaniel. The Cocker Spaniel is a member of the sporting group, and males weigh in from 25 to 30 pounds, with females at 20 to 25 pounds. The Cocker Spaniel is known for being a gentle and happy dog. Originally bred as a hunting dog, they can also make wonderful companions. They're great with kids and families, and while they are perfectly happy to stay and lounge on the couch with you, they are well adapted to succeeding at agility, obedience, and of course, a great gun dog. They're easy to train and eager to learn with their outgoing personalities, and while the Cocker Spaniel does not need an exorbitant amount of exercise, a daily walk and a lot of playtime go a long way toward keeping this breed happy and healthy. And speaking of health, let's talk about that coat. Yes, in order to keep the Cocker Spaniel free from skin issues, regular brushing and grooming is a must. Learning to properly groom and bathe these guys, it can take some time, and, well, really, it's best left to the professionals, so the cost of a groomer needs to be taken into consideration when getting this breed. But if the upkeep of their fur doesn't deter you, they can make phenomenal pets. Now, the first thing about the Cocker Spaniel's health is, is, of course, that coat. Keeping up with their coat's the first way to ensure to avoid those uh, skin issues, but they're also prone to some eye issues, so regular vet visits will help to try to stay ahead of any problems. Allergies are definitely another common issue that Cocker Spaniel owners should be aware of. The origin of the Cocker Spaniel is known to have originated from Spain, with the word Spaniel being closely related to the word Spain. The Spaniel family of dogs dates all the way back to antiquity, and for hundreds of years, Spaniels were actually all lumped into two categories. We had the Land Spaniels and the Water Spaniels. It wasn't until the 1800s that breed standards were established for them, and the Cocker Spaniel actually derived its name from the birds that they once hunted, the Woodcock. These were the predecessors of the modern Cocker Spaniel we know today, and you know, it wasn't until 1892 in England that the Cocker Spaniel was recognized as its own individual breed. In America, it was in the 1880s that breeders brought dogs back from England, and American breeders began to fancy a smaller Cocker Spaniel, and well, they started to breed them down in size, creating a distinct difference between the American standard and the English standard of the Cocker Spaniel. The popularity of the breed in the U.S. is attributed to one particular Cocker Spaniel by the name of Brucie. He won the best in show in 1939 and 1940, and when his handler entered the ring with Brucie at the 1940 show, he removed Brucie's leash and the dog confidently followed alongside. The American public loved this and fell in love with Brucie. Now in the 1950s, the breed experienced a boom in popularity after then Vice President Richard Nixon got a Cocker Spaniel named Checkers. And of course, we all know the most famous animated Cocker Spaniel, Lady from Disney's Lady and the Tramp. Next up on Speak a Dogcast, it's our listener Q&A. First question today comes from Cheryl from Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Cheryl asks, how do I know if my dog is getting fat? <laughs> well, Cheryl, you know, you can look most of the time and know, but, uh, you know, what if they're only like within a half a pound or a pound or two of being overweight? Um, you know, the, the easiest way to know is obviously have regular vet checkups. Your vet will tell you if they feel like your dog's weight is maybe not in control. But if you want to know yourself before you have to take them in for that six month or yearly checkup and you want to make sure you're on top of it, um, I have a little method that I, you know, use and that's I'll go for the rib area with my hand and I'll go to touch. And if I can touch their ribs and push just a little bit and then feel the rib, that's good. I don't want to touch immediately and feel a rib right away. That means they're a little skinny and I don't want to have to like dig through four layers of fat <laughs> to find the rib. That would mean they're overweight. Okay. So again, I want to be able to just touch, kind of push slightly and then feel the rib. That's one good way to check. You know, the other thing is most dogs and some breeds are a little more flat than others here. Uh, but majority of dogs out there, you're going to want to have that nice 
curve from the chest down to the belly. You don't want it to be a straight shot. And again, some dogs um, definitely have more of that straight shot <laughs> kind of shape to them, but vast majority of breeds out there, you're going to want to have that nice little, again, curve from the chest up to the stomach area. I like to look at both. I like to look at that and I look like to feel the rib and kind of go from there. So that's really how I gauge on if a dog is getting too overweight. Next question. This comes from Jack from Ponte Vedra Beach, Florida. Jack says, I am getting a new puppy soon and was thinking about also getting one of his litter mates. Do you think that's a good idea? You know, Jack, I'll just be very honest here. I don't think majority of dog owners should have more than one dog. Is that to say you shouldn't? Well, that's not for me to decide. And I'm not just talking the same age. I'm talking in general. I don't think majority of dog owners out there should have more than one dog. And I don't think vast majority should have more than two. Um, like, no, really, most people should not have more than two dogs. And you need to know what you're getting into if you're going to get two dogs now, especially, especially Getting two puppies at the same time can be a headache and a half. Getting two puppies that are litter mates at the same time, oof, you can be adding to your trouble. You know, unfortunately, you have one puppy, you've got trouble. <laughs> at some point, in some way, there's going to be trouble. And the second you bring another puppy into the picture, especially the same age, you're just doubling your trouble. So it's not that it can't be done properly. And to be fair, it's not that it can't be done well and can't be done properly. But, but... Once again, this kind of goes back, Jack, to, to thinking about what's best for your family, what your needs are in a dog and a breed. And if you think you guys are ready to take on the responsibility of two dogs, hey, maybe you are. But in my experience, majority of people are really not ready to take on two dogs, let alone two dogs that are young puppies and that they're litter mates. The answer to today's trivia question, what dog is considered the smartest breed of dog? It's the Border Collie. That's going to wrap up the podcast today. Thank you so much for listening in. Hey, for all you Apple Podcast listeners out there, if you haven't clicked that five-star rating, do me a favor. Go ahead and stop what you're doing. Click it right now. Help me out. It helps the podcast grow. If you have any questions for that listener Q&A, email me. Questions at speakadogcast.com. Find me on Instagram and Facebook, speakadogcast. Have a wonderful week. And don't forget to get out there and walk your dog.